Freiburg's rock and alternative. FIFA wants the World Cup telecast to have fewer shots of attractive women. FIFA feels that is sexist. Now keep in mind FIFA is probably the most corrupt organization in the history of sports. Ahead of the National Football League and right there with the NCAA. And FIFA now wants to be a moral compass for the networks when it comes to sexism. And is that really sexism or is it showing something that's pleasing to the eye? Hey, I know, let's even it up, like Hart said. Let's show hot guys, too. Or better yet, let's just show ugly people. Instead of hot Brazilian babes, let's show, during the World Cup final, let's show ugly French women with hairy armpits and Croatian dudes with one tooth and a hair lip. Because it's about who's beautiful on the inside, as none of the people probably are. FIFA is probably using this as a cover. Well, we're worried about the ratio of hot to ugly on the telecast of the World Cup Final. They'll probably sneak $100 million in stolen gold and bribe money into Switzerland. Hey, FIFA, you and absurdly misplaced priorities. Guess what? You just made the list. Brought to you by Matt Mart's Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Uh, apparently, FIFA is also mad because fans are yelling inappropriate remarks at female sportscasters while they're on the air. A fan hugged one female sportscaster. That's what we get upset about now. We get upset about hugs. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I can't get over Jordan Luplau being in the lineup two days in a row. The GM says it's the biggest week of the year, and then the manager plays some jabroni just called up from AAA in the lineup two straight days, and you got Meadows and Polanco on the bench tonight. Unfriggin' believable. I don't know how anybody gives this team any credibility at all. Your thoughts at 412-333-WXDX. By the way, some other media notes. Our buddy Peter King starts his new football column on Monday at NBCSports.com. It's called Football Morning in America. And unless I miss my guess, it's a transplant, basically, of his Monday morning quarterback column from SI.com. If you follow the NFL and you read Peter King, you will know everything you need to know. One more thing about soccer. If you don't believe Cristiano Ronaldo is a big, big star in America, everywhere but also in America, now that he's been sold to Juventus in the Italian League, there's a mad battle for TV rights to Italian soccer in America. It's down to Turner and ESPN. Ronaldo sells. That name sells. Some people think he's now moved from England to Spain to Italy so he can win all of those leagues. Won the English League with Man United, won Spain with Real Madrid. I just think he's looking for fresh women to nail in Italy 
is a logical choice. Uh, by the way, you know who must feel like a bunch of schmucks? Ever see that network being being sports, B-E-I-N? B small E, capital I-N, B in sports. They had the Italian League rights through last year in America, and they let them lapse. They didn't pick them back up, and then Ronaldo gets sold to Juventus. They probably could have had the rights on a cheap deal, given the lack of interest, relatively speaking, in America compared to England and Spain. And now the most marketable soccer player in history goes to the Italian League, and you got Turner and uh, ESPN battling over the league rights. That's just, that's too much. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. I got a couple tweets. Is this is this possible? About Pittsburgh having strong local TV ratings for Pirates baseball? Somebody tweeted me, a couple people that a lot of people watch Pirates baseball in bars, and that's where the ratings come from. I don't know. That that seems to be kind of productive for people to watch the games in bars because if you've got 20 people in a bar watching the Pirate game, that counts as one TV. So I, I think you're off base there. Here's a better theory from Adam who tweets, maybe Nutting plugs in like 1,000 TVs to give uh, people the impression that Pittsburgh is watching the Pirates. That's pretty funny. 412-333-9939 is the number to call up. I do like the flurry of criticism that uh, baseball's gotten for not being entertaining. We talked earlier this week about the Dan Shaughnessy column in the Boston Globe. Uh, There have been a few other pieces written since then. And do you agree with me when I say that analytics have made baseball less enjoyable. We keep hearing about exit velocity and launch angle and war and and just all the fancy stats. And for older people, and if you want to say I'm old and that's on me, you're right. I am old. It is on me. But at 57 years old, I'm used to batting average home runs and RBIs. That's the triple crown. The other stuff may mean more. Honestly, it doesn't mean more to me and never will. And I feel when a game is overanalyzed, like baseball has been statistically and otherwise, it just becomes clunky and clumsy and tougher to watch and tougher to talk about. And baseball attendance is non 6%. They don't have a take-and-eat controversy. So there's got to be a reason. And I think that that might be the reason. Like I said, if batting average means nothing, then Clemente wasn't as good as you think he was. I understand there are certain stats that mean more, but for a sport that really hangs its hat on tradition like baseball does, the new wave of fancy stats is sweeping tradition aside statistically. Like, like if, if fancy stats overwhelm, And batting average doesn't mean anything? Does that mean we don't care anymore that Ted Williams in 1941 was the last guy to hit 400? What about Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak? Would that be more impressive if there were less hits but more walks mixed in? 
OBP, OPS, war, all that stuff. I just think we've analyzed baseball to the point where people are sick of it. I think for new fans who don't want to be sabermetricians, it's hard to understand all this crap. And I think another key factor is the people who promulgate the fancy stats. They're snobs. They're condescending. And I don't like them. They'll have blogs that don't make any money. And they beg for money on the internet so they don't go out of business. And I hope they get enough, just enough subscriptions to limp along so I can continue to laugh at their meager efforts indefinitely. But that's just me. Let's go to Harry in the truck. Harry, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, what's going on, Double M? Yeah, Harry. So these, these guys are uh, all about the sabermetrics and everything. I can't put it any better than you just did, man. These guys are just nerds. They're condescending. It's sort of nothing with uh, the ratings. and all. Well, doesn't that disprove his whole crap about this being a small market team if we're sixth of the nation? Uh, well, don't forget, that's the percentage of audience. Okay. So it takes into account being a small market, but I like the way you think. Let's go to Bob and Baldwin. Bob, your own double M. Hey, Mark, big fan. Hi, Bob. Uh, not to sound like a know-it-all or anything, I just wanted to um, ch- weigh in on the, the ratings thing regarding the Pirates. The, uh, the way it actually, the ratings, if you had a Nielsen journal, which I actually have had it before, and I, I remember did it for the radio and wrote your program down a bunch. I don't think well, that would be that wouldn't be a Nielsen journal. Uh, that was Arbitron for for radio, and I believe correct. that the yeah. Nielsen ratings have always been involved electronically with the actual TV. The paper diaries are still used in many instances where for Nielsen you would write ratings. Down, yes, I find that very hard to believe. But go ahead. You would write down what show you watched, uh, and this even includes the top fifty six markets with these paper journals. You'd write down the show that you watched, regardless of where you were. So. I guess you could see a lot of people at a bar maybe writing them all down. In their yeah, I think, I think you're reaching, but thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Mike in traffic. Mike, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. What's up? I, I completely agree with you about the uh, overwhelming boredom of statistics and the, the stars that we used to watch. I don't think they cared about exit velocity or any of that. But I want to go to an idea that you proposed for football months ago and how it could be applicable to baseball. And that is simply limit the replays to one per team per game. Cut out six, seven, eight replays a game. I can't see You know what? Part of me says you're right, but you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, bro. If you limit the replays, then wrong calls are going to decide games. They never should have – they either should let automated strike zones umpire the game because that's the biggest – bust with replay. They show us what isn't isn't a strike, and the umpires blow it all the time. And they don't fix it even though they can. I agree. Replay takes too long, but but aren't there other ways to shave time off the game and still get all the calls right via replay? It's just such a massive amount of dead time. It just brings everything to a screaming halt. But but it's not dead time. It's time without action, but it's meaningful time. I'd like to see no warm-up pitches on the mound. I'd like to see guys not unfasten and refasten their batting gloves between every pitch. I'd like to see guys hustle to and from the on-deck circle at home plate. You know, I'd like to see the baseball players act like they're not in this self-contained world where all that matters is their pace of game and give credit to the paying customers. 
Hmm. Indeed. Let's go to Chuck in Moon Township. Chuck, you're on with Mark. Hey, what's up, Double Hump? Real quick, Chuck. Hey, uh, you know, I agree with you about the stats, and this might they might this might even uh, factor into it. But man, right now the lack of stars is, is my biggest turnoff. You know, back in the steroid era, if someone you know when my pap was like, "Hey, we're going to go see Barry Bonds," I didn't care that he was on steroids. It was just aw- it was exciting to see him come up. To oh yeah, bat. but what about like w- w- would you be excited to see Mike Trout bat? I mean, yeah, Mike Trout is 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 a, is a fantastic player. I still don't feel that excitement if I went to go see Mike Trout, and I don't know what they can do about that. But I think the the sabermetrics they play into well, actually. That because... I I think the sabermetrics, the over analysis of baseball, have buried the stars. You can always find flaw in a player. You can always exactly. find somebody else that is better in some stat. Let me tell you, if baseball still concentrated on home runs, average, and RBIs. We would know who the stars were. I agree. Good call. That's good stuff. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. You know what's weird? I was going to say Bryce Harper isn't the star he could be because he's a dink, but he does a lot of commercials, and he's pretty well known. I I can't say why. And Barry Bonds was a bigger dink. I can't say why. Baseball does that the stars now. It did then. You know, part of it is you're going to laugh at this. Social media. Now everyone's a star. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. This is the Mark Madden Show. We got Josh Owey talking hockey at the bottom of the hour. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're talking to the super genius. Yo, double M. Yo, drunk up Willie. Mark Madden is Pittsburgh sports. The X at 105.9. Here's a note from Raw Beer Temple who covers the Pirates for the Athletic. Since May 26, when the Pirates' four-man outfield went into full effect, Meadows is hitting 267, 308 OBP, 383 slugging percentage, with two homers and eight RBIs. He's played 38 games and made 27 starts. Now, I'm not sure what Rob's getting at, or perhaps he's not getting at anything. Perhaps he's just uh, citing statistics, but... If Meadows has slowed down since the four-man outfield went into effect, that doesn't justify the four-man outfield. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. I blame the four-man outfield for slowing Meadows down. Let's go to Bill in Springdale. Bill, you're on with Mark. How you doing? What up? Hey, uh, you know what? I I can see why TV ratings are up for the Pirates. One, nobody's going to the game, and if you're a baseball fan... Uh, you watch on TV. I watch every game, but I refuse to go to the stadium and crack my wallet open and give the hillbilly prince $1 of my money. But I enjoy watching the games. When I go out to a bar, you know, if the game's not on, somebody always speaks up and says, hey, put the Pirate game on. When do the Pirates play? And, and stuff like that. There's guys talking baseball all around me. In the same sentence, they, they reiterate, I'll never go yeah, to Yeah, you, you might be on to something. And it's like background noise at a bar, right? Yep. I mean, if it's not on, no matter where I go, somebody always asks to put the park game on. Everybody's standing around there. I bet it's mostly old people, right? Yeah, I'm old, so uh, I am talking old. There, there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And this time of year, heck, we're talking about the Pirates because there's nothing else to talk about. People watch the Pirates because there's nothing else to watch. Let's go to Dan in the car. Dan, you're on the Mark Madden Show. 
Hey, Mark, as far as I'm concerned, the only stats that matter are the stats you can find on the back of a Topps baseball card. When I was eight years old, I could tell a good player by the number of hits, runs, RBIs, home runs. Didn't have all that other stuff, OPS, BSS, all that stuff. You didn't have to be a status. Want to hear something funny, though? When's the last time you saw a Topps baseball card? You know what? Kids don't collect them. I try to get my kids into it. Well, they exist. They exist. So when's the last time you saw one? Yeah, very rarely, very rarely. Okay, my point is, I'm not sure what stats are on the back of a Topps baseball card right now. Yeah. What if you picked up a Topps baseball card, it had slugging, OPS, war, uh, whip, what if it had all that stuff? That'd be crazy, right? Exactly. You you have to be a statistics major to understand who's a good player. When I was eight years old, I could tell you who was a good player. If you're going to trade me a baseball card, I'll look on the back. Yeah, that's a good deal. That's well, people deal. You know people I mean? who lean on fancy stats to any sport are often covering up for not being able to understand what they're seeing. That's that's a good point. And you know what else? I think if, with with the statistics, you can make an adequate player look good by putting in. You, you know, can you can go to any player if exactly. he's good. You can find a stat that 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 devalues him. If he's bad, you can find a stat that props him up. It depends Absolutely. on what point you're trying to make and whether or not you like the player in the first place. Let's go to Shane in Greensburg. Shane, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I'm kind of piggybacking off of uh, what a uh, previous caller said about going to the ballpark to see big names like Bonds, McGuire, and you were talking about Mike Trout. I'd love to see the Major League Baseball adopt what the NHL did years ago and go to every team every year out there and hear because then you get to see those players more often and appreciate them a lot more than just watching them on ESPN because you know they're always on there anyway. Well, I, I don't know what you're, saying, what you're saying. The Pirates host every team in the National League and limited from the American. What, what are you suggesting again? Well, it's like with the NHL, the Penguins play every single team on the road and at home, so you get to see McDavid every year. You get to see those types of players. Where In theory, in theory... Even if the National League played exclusively the National League teams and they play all the National League teams in the limited smattering of American League teams, there should be enough stars to go around if there were enough stars to go around. But there aren't enough stars. There just aren't enough baseball players that are perceived as stars because analytics can punch holes in just about all of them. Plus, the home run is no longer special. There's so many home runs being hit, the home run is no longer special. You used to want to go to games to see guys hit home runs. Now everybody hits home runs. Let's go to Paul and Freedom. Paul, real quick, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good, Paul. Hey, um, my quick thought on um, why the ratings are up in this area. There's a really old population, and I just like um, know my my 92-year-old mother-in-law watches religiously, as do all of her neighbors and her uh, retirement. Older home. people think baseball is still the number one sport. They think it's really important. And they do. And and she watches and she calls me every day, did you see that game? And I say, no. You know, and, and I watched for, I'm, I'm in my mid-60s and I've watched since I can remember and I don't know, I don't go to the games I used to go. We used to go an awful lot, but Maybe the old saying, too soon, old, and too slow, smart, maybe that applies. And, huh? you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of, you know, giving the money. And I don't, oh, I don't I'm just, I'm just kind of tired. I'll agree with that. Up next, we talk hockey with Josh Yoey of The Athletic. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Joining me now in studio from TheAthletic.com, 
We welcome Josh Elway. Josh, this time of year sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not here to talk about hockey. I'm here to watch that 70s show reruns with you, actually. Well, if I could turn the volume up, we could <laughs> we could enjoy it a lot more. But but technically, I'm obligated to do a, a radio show. So, is there any Penguins interest in Max Pacioretty, the left wing of Montreal? Because they're going to trade him. It's just a matter of who they trade him to. I, I have no doubt Jim Rutherford has inquired. I don't know that I would consider it heavy interest. Um, all, all offseason long, Jim has been interested, if possible, in adding an impactful left winger. We know how loaded the Penguins are on the right side. They're not so loaded on the left side. I know for a fact Jim made an offer for Jeff Skinner right before the draft. Um, I don't think they like Pacioretty as much as Skinner necessarily. But sure, they'll talk with Montreal. But I don't know that they'd be a leading candidate because I don't think they have that much to offer the Canadians. No, I don't either. I mean, you could trade Broussard for Pacioretty. But I've kind of backed off on a thought that they ought to look into trading Broussard, Josh, because their biggest advantage is at center. Mm-hmm. and uh, you don't want to take away from that depth. Right now, if a center gets hurt, it, it could be any center as long as it's not Crosby or Malkin for over three or four weeks, and they would still be the strongest team in the league at center, and that's thanks to the depth provided by Broussard, who's a great third and a pretty good one or two as well. Don't you feel like with Broussard, maybe it's fair to see a little more of him? I mean, he he disappointed. There's no question. He was oh, no no doubt. He was not the impactful player they were hoping for, whether he got hurt or not. But yeah, I mean, that is their strength. You're right, and I'm curious to see how he performs 82 games with the Penguins. I don't think he would put up huge numbers. He's not going to be a top power play guy like he's been everywhere else in his career. Certainly not in Pittsburgh, and not even a top six. Right, and I don't know if you're Montreal too. Do you, do you need a center who's past his prime, who's in his 30s? If you're trading Pacioretty. Probably not. Well, you, it's you, a weird trade if you're Montreal because you're trading a rental for a rental. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, if I'm Montreal, I would rather trade Patch Ready for a prospect and a pick, or at least one or the other. No, exactly. That's why, you know, from their standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense if that's what the Penguins would offer. And so if you're Jim Rutherford, well, do you want to give up Daniel Sprong to get Pacioretty? Probably not. And then there's big cap implications, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. They couldn't fit him in anyway. So I just don't know that they are ideal partners. I get the sense from Jim that he would love to do something this summer. I think he's content with the lineup, but I still don't think he's thrilled with it. I think he would love to make one more move to give them a little more firepower on the left side, but I, I just don't know that they're compatible trade partners. That said, with the way things are going in Montreal, and I love Mark Bergevin, and I know you do too, but he's made some interesting deals in the last year, so I don't know what's going to happen next with them. Well, uh, I, I think you're right that the Penguins probably feel they could use another left wing, but I think they still need one more defenseman, not a top six, but a strong 7-8 guy. Or do they think that Ricola, the Finnish defenseman, could be that I heard they're very high on him boy is Jim Rutherford high on him yes he he made that very clear a couple of weeks ago he met with a few of the beat writers and we asked about the blue line and he just kept talking about Ricola over and over again and and in fairness I've never seen the guy play so until we get a look at him in training camp in the preseason it's really difficult to even guess where he fits in and you know as for the rest of the blue line and the depth I I like Chad Ruedel as a number seven I, I really do is he a good number five or six? Maybe not. But I think if he's a number seven and if he plays 30, 40 games a year in the regular season, I have no problem with that at all. But if you have a legitimate uh, seven, eight guy that's left-handed, then when somebody gets hurt, you don't have to move people all around. Like, like for example, if, if, uh, if uh, let's just say Mata got hurt, you'd have to move Alexiak to the left and plop Ruidlin on the right. Not that Alexiak couldn't do that, but I like the notion that no matter who gets hurt, 
You just plop a guy in that spot and leave the other five defensemen where they're at. No, you're right. And we have seen over the years depth on the blue line. It's a cliche in hockey, but it's so true. If you don't have depth in the postseason, it will burn you every single time. When you look at the 16 and 17 teams, there were some good defensemen at times that were healthy scratches in those seasons. And, you know, last season you have Chad Ruedel playing as a number six. And I don't think he was why they lost to the Capitals. But his presence certainly didn't help. So if you're going to have, you know, an abundance of depth at, at one area, I don't think there's any question that's where you want it. Now, Dominic Simone says Sidney Crosby's invited him to train with him this offseason in Nova Scotia. <laughs> Does that translate to Sid again wanting Simone as a line mate, like in the playoffs? Because, boy, right wing's a logjam right now. That would make it even more so. Maybe he just wants to teach the kid how to finish a little bit or something. I don't know. Um, you know what's funny about it? Sid usually likes playing with guys who are fast. That, that's his number one priority. He wants speed on his wings. And Simone isn't very fast at all. And that's the thing. When I watch him, the first time I saw him play, and then a couple of years later, you know, he can do some things maybe, but he, he just it's kind of slow for, for this era. So it's, it's bizarre to me that Sid does seem to enjoy playing with him. I think Simone thinks the game on a pretty high level. Sid has told me that, and I know the Penguins think that, and that's great. But I just don't see the physical attributes that make him a number one line guy at all. He's not fast. I wouldn't say his hands are overwhelming. Hockey IQ, I'd have to take Sid's word for it, but I don't see it. Now, do the coaches like him, or are the coaches just playing along with Sid? I think the coaches do like him. I suspect he's a very coachable guy for what that's worth. I assume he listens and does what he's told, and that's great. But again, with him, it's just, you know, he was, I think he was a fourth or fifth round pick for a reason. Like, he's just, he doesn't have that talent that jumps out at you. Daniel Sprague might drive you nuts, but you watch that guy play for five minutes in practice even, and you say, whoa, there's there's serious talent there. He just jumps out at you. Simone, uh, you know, I, I just don't see it. And I know, you know, just because the physical talent doesn't jump out at you or does doesn't always mean everything. Jake Gensel doesn't jump out at you as physical talent, really. He's just really good. But I don't see Dominic Simone anywhere close to Jake Gensel, even though stylistically they're not all that different. So maybe they see something we don't see, but I was not impressed with him in the playoffs. He strikes me as a fringe NHL player, certainly not a guy who should be skating with Sid. For the record, this is the episode where uh, Jackie redecorates Hyde's room (laughs) and where uh, Donna and Eric borrow Kelso's van and the parking brake goes off accidentally and it, it falls off Mott Hump. Bob McLaughlin's very upset. He's going to have to hear about this all summer from you now. It's not a bad episode. Now, uh, we're talking to Josh Shoey from TheAthletic.com. He's brought to you by uh, the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Now, uh, you mentioned Sprong. He's going to get screwed, isn't he? Scratched or whatever. (laughs) Can't you just see that coming despite what Rutherford said about Sprong being a regular this year? You know what? I actually think he will be a regular to start the season. But I could see Sully having a very quick hook with him. It would not surprise me. Just and and I base that only from what I saw last season. When I thought Sprong had a couple of really good games, I thought the Penguins started to get hot with him in the lineup. And I don't think he was the primary reason, but he was clearly making an impact. And he had one game on the California trip that Sullivan didn't like, and that was it. He he was gone. He was banished to Wilkesbury the rest of the season. That was very strange to me. And, and so. I could see that happening, but I still think, barring any more significant trades, I think he'll start the season on the team, but he better produce. Yeah, but here's the problem. If Sid wants Simone to play with them, <laughs> Sprong's the fourth-line right wing. That's the best he can be. And he's not a fourth-line right wing. That's the problem, even though it could be a decent fourth line with the likes of Riley Shea and, 
even Matt Cullen, who certainly knows how to play with skilled players, that Sprong's not going to fit in that role. Not, not fourth-line style, nope. that's for sure. Now, besides Rust, who would be the most likely right wing to switch to left wing? Who else could do it? Well, we know Hornquist can't do it. And Phil Kessel is capable, but there's I don't... There's just no good reason to do it after the season he no, had. No, there's not. So you're going to see... And Sprong, I don't think, has ever played left wing before. So I don't think Daniel Sprong over there is a viable option. So it sounds like if Sprong is going to be a top-nine guy, Brian Rust almost has to play on the left side, and, and he can. I still like him on the right side better, personally. He can do it. He, he is a versatile guy. I'd still prefer to see him over there, but I think the thinking with him is they can kind of put him wherever he wants, and he'll be effective, and I bet you he starts on the left. Uh, the lines are tough to construct for the Penguins. You know, we, we, we have talked about the preferences of Sid, and Malkin has his preferences too. But another example, Carl Hagelin at this point in his career isn't a top six left wing, but he's a good fit for Malkin and Kessel. It's just an odd team to construct lines for, isn't it? You know, Hagelin, I, I go back and forth on him a lot, but I, I think he is more valuable than his numbers suggest. And if you're going to play Phil and Gino together, Hagelin is the only guy who really makes sense because he can take care of the defensive work, as we always talk about. But also, the thing about Hagelin, when he's playing well, and granted that doesn't usually happen until January, but when he's playing well, he creates so many turnovers. His speed creates an unusual amount of turnovers in the offensive zone, and because of that, I, I think he is best utilized when he's out there with talented players. So I think that's part of why he works with those guys. He's a good third wheel on a good line. I, I don't think of him as a conventional top six guy. He's not. But if you're going to put him with two great players like Malkin and Kessel, I think he can actually be quite effective. So, But, yeah, they have guys like that. Brian Rust is also kind of like that. Does he really score enough to be considered a top six winger? Probably not, but he does so many little things oh, so wait, well. Oh, wait, wait, Hold Look, on. The van is rolling off Mont Hump as we speak. <laughs> Just like I said it would. There it goes. Hey, this is July hockey talk on the X at its best, I have to say. I think we could do that 70s show <laughs> talk in July and probably do roughly as well as we do with, with hockey talk. Uh, what do you hear about the holdup with Eric Carlson going to Tampa Bay? Uh, and is that going to let Dallas jump back in the picture to try and get him? I wonder if that deal was quite as close to happening as it was reported in some outlets. I know they talked a lot. I don't know that it was imminent necessarily. Um, it could be a game changer. Hey, listen, Tampa is really good. On paper, they're a top three team in the East, no question. Maybe better. You put a Hall of Fame defenseman on that roster if you don't give up too much that absolutely gets your attention but i don't think it's a lock that he's going to tampa at this point i know dallas is very interested do you need carlson headman and mcdonough are you going to play two of those together you're going to put mcdonough on the third pair how's that work out that's a good question and they just gave mcdonough a lot of money by the way right i'm not a huge mcdonough fan by the way i think he's a little overrated you know what though we may think that i think he's overrated too but we may he's think solid. that because the penguins eat him alive true I, I, he's a good second pairing defenseman to me that's yes. that's what he is Fair I, enough. I don't know that you'd play carlson and headman together i guess you could um you know they can both play 30 minutes a night quite effortlessly so maybe you consider it but well, it, you might play carlson mcdonough together but then who's Girardi play with? Because Girardi's only value is being a comfortable partner for McDonough. Maybe he goes. I don't know. I don't know. Play Strawman with Hedman, perhaps? I, I mean, they, listen, they've got good defensemen, no question. And the power play would be scary. If you have a power play with Carlson, Stamkos, Kucherov, uh, boy, I don't care who the other two guys are. You have those three guys on a power play, 
that's a scary team to play against. So, no, it's going to be pretty compelling drama all summer, and I think it's pretty safe to say that Eric Carlson will not be in Ottawa when October rolls around. I'll tell you what else is going to be compelling drama. Who's going to be Toronto's captain, Tavares <laughs> or Matthews? And that doesn't sound uh... like it's a big deal. It's going to be a big deal, especially because Toronto's not even had a captain since 2016 when it was Phaneuf. They've just had alternate captains, and it's like they've been waiting for Matthews to, to get old enough to be captain, but now Tavares may jump in front of him on that line. I'm Matthews. I might be getting a little aggravated right about now. He's been an absolute superstar. Well, Bobby Orr said no. Bobby Orr said it doesn't matter who's captain, and Bobby Orr is Matthews' new agent, but... Uh, I think it has the situation for the young kid to get persnickety. Oh, sure it does. And I, I don't blame him. Um, the hometown boy gets this massive contract. He's making more money than you now. If they make him the captain, yeah, that would aggravate me a little bit if I were Matthews. And I understand what Bobby's saying. And listen, if Bobby Orr says it, it must be true. I mean, that's Bobby Orr, for God's sake. Although he is an agent now. <laughs> he is. But still, he's like the nicest guy ever. So, And a former guest on the Mark Madden show, I might no add. No question. And an EJ Crony. Well, not more importantly, an EJ Best Crony. Best of all. But no, that's a really interesting situation. You throw in the you know the Toronto situation with the media and everything that it is there already. That's going to be a lot of fun this season. I actually am really looking forward to it. They still haven't won a playoff series under Mike Babcock, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, they've not only not won the cups in '67, they've not made the finals in '67. It's amazing. They've been they've been nowhere close. Here's what I bet happens. Uh, I bet Babs takes the chump way out. And goes with all alternate captains again this year. Or like make Patrick Marlowe the captain for a year or something. Ugh. That's what I'm hoping for. Maybe he'd, Babs will make himself the captain. He'd like to. Yes, he, he could, would. He would. <laughs> and, and Vegas, you know, had all alternates last year too, and they rotated the alternates. Yes. But I, 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 you know, I think the captain slot's overrated, but if the room doesn't think it's overrated, then it's not overrated. It's funny how that's changed over the years, by the way. If you watch... Like old games from the late 80s, early 90s, when Mario's back would go out and he would miss a couple of weeks. Like, Trottier or Coffee would wear the C just for a week, and like, it was no big deal. Now, now it's this huge deal, I guess. But, um, no, it's relevant. But I'm also interested to see, like, who's their number one center? Who's, who's going to run the power play? Like, they have a lot of questions with those two. They're both great players. I'm acknowledging that. But well, And the big know. question comes to play next year. When Matthews comes up for a contract, although he's restricted, so he really can't go anywhere. Right. But, but I've always said Toronto may be derailing its own long-term plan by signing Tavares this year and Marlowe last year because can they afford to keep Nylander, Marner, and Matthews? Nylander's up for a deal right, right now, uh, Marner and Matthews next year. And if they can't do that, if they can't afford to keep all those guys under the cap, then it was a bad move to go get uh, Tavares and Marlowe. And you know what's interesting about them, too? I mean, well, the Marlowe, I think, only has one more year left on his deal. I think deal. that's right. But, you know, for so many years, all they would do, much like the Rangers, just throw money at old guys, and it wouldn't work. And finally, the Leafs said, we're going to rebuild, we're going young, and it, it worked. Uh, they've gotten a lot better. They have a lot of young talent. Then all of a sudden, Marlowe gets the money. They have to win the bidding war for Tavares. And you wonder if that's going to be a problem for them because that's always been their problem, or at least for the last 25 years or so it has been. So they're kind of off path It's a, a problem bit, in Montreal, too. Both of oh. those cities want quick fixes. Well, listen, they're, they're not easy markets to please. It's a lot like, I would say, Pittsburgh and the Steelers. Like, you know, that you know the city doesn't do well with two-year rebuilds for the Steelers. And, and Montreal <laughs> and Toronto, uh, my God, the pressure on them to win. Listen, we, we make fun of the Leafs, which is great fun. Montreal hasn't won the Cup since 93, by the way, so it's been quite a while for them, too. Is the balance of power shifted at all in the East? I think it's exactly the same. I think Wash and Pittsburgh are the two best teams. I think Tampa's third. But until they do it, I won't believe they can do it. And then uh, 
I think Toronto, despite the the celebration in T.O. over them getting Tavares, I think they're still fourth and, and perhaps a distant fourth. I like Boston. No defense. I think Boston's pretty good, too. Uh, they really impressed me last season. I'll tell you, the, we talk about balance of power in the league. It's just so far to the east right now in general. Who in the west is any good? Nothing against Vegas and what they did, but an expansion team rolling through a conference like that, that, that was alarming to me in retrospect, that nobody in the west is any good. I don't think anybody in the west has gotten appreciably better in the off season, uh, the East is where it's at right now, Mark. There's no question. Those you know, five or six legitimate Stanley Cup teams. And then you have other teams, like New Jersey is an intriguing team, I think. And there's a couple of others. Florida. Florida was really good in the second half last year. They might be better this year. So a lot of good teams in the East. There's a lot of depth. But, yeah, I think Pittsburgh, Washington are probably rightfully still the best two teams. Listen, the team that wins the Stanley Cup generally comes from that series. It's the way it is. And look, now they're all sitting around in a circle getting high. You're talking about hockey or? Oh, that I, I, I got confused. Oh, wait, now Hyde just went to his room and Jackie undecorated it. It's going to be, well, we, we better end the interview so we can watch this. That's Josh Joey. <laughs> Always a pleasure to talk hockey with him. It's not time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX and ask Mark anything. Job fairs this week. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hello, is this Mark Madden? Mark, this is the fake Norm McDonald. How the hell are you? What's going on now sucks, but that sucked too, and it was boring. The X at 105.9. Tomorrow's going to be an interesting show. I'll be joined by Ian Asbury, the lead singer for The Cult. They're coming to town in the near future. And also by Mark uh, Pulisic. He is the father of Christian Pulisic of Borussia Dortmund. The uh, number one U.S. soccer player currently is only 19 years old. Just a phenomenon. Uh, Mark's also the coach of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, assistant coach, assistant to Bob Lilly. So Mark and I have a lot to talk about. Can you imagine being the father of a phenom like that? I always wanted to have Troy Crosby on the show or Trina, his mom or dad, because, you know, that's such a unique thing. And uh, Mark's in the same position soccer-wise. I mean, when do you know, as a lifelong soccer guy like Mark is, your kid's like that guy, the guy you've always looked for to coach, to help your team, and now he's your kid. So that's tomorrow here on the Mark Madden Show. Now it's time to ask Mark anything, 412-333-WXDX, brought to you by Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bars, the city's best seafood and chop house. So check out Chapino, located in the Strip. Don't forget it's the home of the Super Genius Burger. Let's go to Tom on the road. Tom, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. First time, long time here. I'm going to ask you a question, then uh, hang up and listen. What uh, talk show cliche do you hate more? First time, long time, or hang up and listen? Thanks. Let's go to Ed and Jeanette. Ed, ask Mark hey. anything. Hey, Mark. Big fan, big fan. Um, are you uh, are you a fan of Halushki? Have you ever had Halushki? I don't even know what Halushki are. What are Halushki? Maybe I've had well, them and don't know what they're called. Halushki is uh, noodles with butter and cabbage, like like sauteed. What noodles with what butter? Butter and sauteed cabbage. No, anything involving cabbage, I avoid studiously. What what ethnicity is that? Is that Polish? Yes. Isn't there a song like "Who stole the halushki? Who stole the halushki? Who stole the halushki? Won't you give it back?" I'm not familiar with that number. With that number, like Benny Goodman did it, right? Let's wrap, ask Mark getting up as quickly as possible today after the Halushki talk. 
Good talk. See you out there. 105.9 X.